Good morning, this is Bryce Peterson, and this is episode 37, The Big What If. I wrote an interesting letter home to my family when I was a missionary in New Jersey. Oh, well, I wrote a lot of letters, and I'm sure a lot of them were interesting, but a particular one, I stated that I do not believe in religions, but rather I believed in the truth. I believed in reality. Whatever the truth was, whatever reality was, that is what I believed in and wanted to accept, no matter what that was. And I asserted that we have a Heavenly Father. We used to live with Him as His spirit sons and daughters before we came to earth, and that we have a Savior who is Jesus Christ, that He is Heavenly Father's firstborn spirit child and our elder brother. Christ is our Redeemer, and He came into this world to take upon Himself our sins, our pains, our weaknesses, all of our grief, and that he laid down his life and took it up again so that we would be resurrected and have an opportunity to be made whole and to return to the presence of our Father in heaven and dwell in peace and joy through the eternities. I don't consider to this day that that is a religious concept. In my view, religious concepts are attempts by mankind to understand in our own feeble way ourselves and our relationship to the eternities. I think everybody in their own way is trying to do this. I don't think there's anyone out there that doesn't want to know the truth. Our brains really are eager to be in possession of the facts so that we can navigate the world so that we can best stay alive. So I think at the core of it all, all of us are simply interested in the facts. And we also sometimes cringe at the idea that we are missing some of those facts. Our brains really don't want to be wrong because that would mean that we have wasted energy in the past laboring under the delusion that we were correct. So our brains sometimes are, find it difficult to embrace different ideas. And it's for that reason that I am fascinated when people make a big shift in their belief system. And it's certainly a courageous thing to do. I think one of the thrills of our experience is that thrill of discovery, discovering something new, discovering how the world works in some small new way that we didn't know before. I experienced this thrill when I went to college. Now, I didn't always feel thrills when I was in college. I felt a lot of dread and terror <laughs> as well because all those exams, oh, I've, I've never really bought into the idea of, of all those exams, but nevertheless, my area of study was the sciences. I had wanted to be a dentist, and so I thought, well, a biology degree kind of ends up covering 
most of the prereqs you need, if not all of them, to go into dental school. So I, I went the biology route. And this brought with it so many science courses. In high school, I actively avoided chemistry and physics and took the least amount of math possible. Although I did enjoy my human biology class in high school, I did pretty well in that one. This was a, a time of major stimulation for my brain going through the general chemistry courses and the organic chemistry and the cell biology and then all the botany. Oh, botany. <laughs> oh my goodness. So many things. Um, evolution, bioinformatics. And as you move through this, you're introduced to the overarching principle of biology, which is the concept of evolution. At first, I was like, well, okay. I mean, I guess maybe and maybe not. This becomes a real struggle for some people to kind of navigate this. And the more you read about it and kind of see how things come together, it, it, beco it becomes more and more, it makes a little bit more sense that evolution could be real. But it also, for me, took a long time to really come to grips with, I'll call it my religious background, my belief system, because there's a lot of verbiage in the scriptures that doesn't really go into detail about creation and that sort of thing. And so only that it happened, that God was directly involved. And that's really all it says. At Utah Valley University, where I was, there were previous BYU professors, uh, BYU trained professors that were there that fully embraced the concept of, of evolution and I, I found that interesting and encouraging in a way. And there was a really fascinating book. His name's failing me right now, but he was the dean of the School of Science and Health for a while at Utah Valley University, um, Latter-day Saint guy. Uh, he wrote a book called Relics of Eden, and where he implores us to abandon the dichotomy of Either if you believe in God, you can't accept evolution as reality and vice versa. If you accept evolution, then you can't believe in God. He just found that ultimately a farce that you had to pick one or the other. So his, his book was highly influential to me at the time. I also found myself over time becoming quite angry. Why can't we just be told? Why can't we just be told? exactly how it is why does there have to be this area of ambiguity like why can't this stuff just be in the scriptures and we're just told exactly how it is and that that just really bothered me for a long time the way i was thinking about that it just i was upset that beautiful truths could not just be told to us all the time and that's kind of where i was at and i had a difficult time with it. I want to say that I allowed that to bother me enough that I stopped pursuing my spiritual nourishment in many ways. And over the years, my spiritual convictions about the reality of Heavenly Father and Christ began to wane. And I've spoken about in prior podcasts how I've had some undeniable experiences where that has been revived in me 
not to my own personal credit, it was certainly a gift, a divine gift that was provided to me to have that experience. Over these years, I've come to appreciate the fact that we're in a position to discover how the world works, discover the laws of the universe that govern our experience. Mathematical principles, for example, are not and never were revealed by any prophets. Prophets, if they wanted to, could, I suppose, speak about mathematics, but they don't. They can speak about any subject at any time. They focus on the areas of that pertain to our salvation, the finer details as to how the earth formed and how life began and all that sort of thing are not articulated by the prophets. There's so much, like the laws of chemistry and physics, none of that is articulated or presented by any prophets. God allows us as a human population, as his offspring, to discover some of this stuff on our own. The things that we absolutely need to know for our salvation of our souls is presented to us very plainly. And we do have to go through the process of discovering the truth of that for ourselves through prayer and reflection and being open to the truth that is carried to us by the power of the Holy Ghost. But we still have all this other stuff that if you want to know about it, you can go through the effort to discover it. And so that's just a really incredible thing to sit back and, and witness and be in the process of discovery. Always be, we have the opportunity to learn new things. And sometimes the things that we're, we're learning, of course, we don't fully understand them in every aspect or angle, but we get to have that thrill of creating something new, medical advancements, technology and buildings or computer software, all that kind of stuff. The prophets don't say anything about it. That is left to us to be able to discover. I think it's a beautiful thing. So I want to circle back to the idea that I want to believe in all truth. I don't believe it's a religious concept. I don't think religions own truth. Truth is what it is. Truth does not need anyone to believe in it or accept it either. Isn't that a powerful position to be in? Truth is whether or not we want to accept it. It just is. The glory of God is intelligence, as we read in the Doctrine and Covenants. He knows all things. And he has gone through the process of discovering all of this. God has earned his knowledge. A very basic concept presented in the Gospel Principles Manual in the chapter about exaltation. I want to say it's Joseph Fielding Smith quoting Joseph Smith Jr. As God is, man may become. And as man now is, God once was. A pretty fundamental concept in Latter-day Saint theology is that there is no beginning and no end to things. Our Heavenly Father used to live on an earth like this long before he was an exalted man. And if that's true, and he went through a process similar to what we're doing to eventually arrive at the status and station that he and the role that he fulfills now, that means that we can also 
go through that same process and become as he is. And so it would be inferred that he also has a heavenly father and he has a heavenly father and so on and so forth on and on and on and on and on. There's no beginning to it. There's no end to it. Well, this is interesting on its own, but there's a lot of things connected here that really help me out because if there is no beginning to this concept of individuals becoming the spirit offspring of exalted beings and then going down and getting bodies on earth and going through this mortality and then being given the gift of resurrection and the opportunity for redemption and it just keeps repeating itself. What this means, at least from one angle of looking at this, is doesn't it sound like this isn't anybody's idea? The concept of existence even, that no one thought about it. No one created it. It's no one's big idea. Our Heavenly Father is perpetuating a system that long predates himself. He didn't create truth. He didn't create matter or energy. But he discovered the truth as an eternal entity. We've all been intelligence forever. In the Doctrine and Covenants, it says that intelligence cannot be created or destroyed. It also says that God did not create the universe out of nothing. That is an old sectarian notion and is false. But that he organized existing elements into what we have. And so the atheists out there, they're very hung up on the fact that, hey, you know what? There's no such thing as intelligent design. Avid monotheists, avid creationists are like, oh, God created everything. He just pulled it out of his hat. Boom, there you go. Just went poof and made it all. And they're very much at odds with each other. But for me, the way I view Latter-day Saint theology, and this is just my view, but I don't, I'm not making up the concept or going out of a doctrinal lane when I say our Heavenly Father used to live on an earth. I'm not pulling that out of my butt. It's in the Gospel Principles Manual. Really, in a way, because it's always been going on like this, that means, in, in essence, it has no beginning. That means no one thought of it. No one thought of the plan of salvation. It's perpetuated. We're part of a massive system that no one thought of. No one created this. No one gets credit for this. It doesn't belong to anyone. We're part of a massive, eternal system. For me, that means a couple of things. It takes off quite a bit of pressure that I'm supposed to be doing something. In a way of looking at this, there's really no purpose in existence because it just is. We exist. Not because we want to, but we do. We know that our Heavenly Father has a head, two arms, and two legs. He created us after his own image. But does he have a head, two arms, and two legs because he wants to? Could he have four arms if he wanted to? My guess is probably not. I didn't decide to have the body that I have, and I didn't get to decide how it looks and why it looks this way. The law of gravity, what little we know about it, does it exist because our Heavenly Father wants it? to exist? I would submit absolutely not. He doesn't want it to. 
but he knows it exists. We know that our Heavenly Father, through the Savior Jesus Christ, organized the universe that we see. He organized it. But if he's perpetuating a system that's always been in place, that means really anything could be going on. That doesn't, that means that, you know what? If evolution is a real thing, if species do diverge and become different species, that's okay. We're not hurting anyone's feelings here. You know, if that's what's going on, it was nobody's idea. It's something that God understands and utilizes. We can, of course, all believe whatever we want. I'm not, I'm not claiming that I understand how this works. But this is a way of viewing things. And for me, it's useful. For you, it might not be useful. But this is a very important part of how I view the world. I love the notion that we eventually get to learn how everything works. And I appreciate the fact that we don't have to learn it all in the 80 plus or minus years that we have on this earth. I don't think we need to be in a mad rush to figure all this out. Most of the people that come into the world never hear about the church, but eventually we all get the opportunity to embrace our redemption, to learn about the reality that we do have a savior that we've always existed, that we always will exist, that we can have eternal family relationships, that we eventually get to learn everything and discover everything that our Father in Heaven fully understands. This gives me hope for the future. It helps me appreciate the moment that I'm in right now. We get to experience it all and not because we're supposed to experience it all. It's a gift. And that's it for now.